What is up, guys, and welcome to episode 6 of the 3 and D podcast. I'm your host, as usual, Anthony, and today we've got a good, exciting episode for you. It's about the halfway point of the NBA season, so we're going to do our gradings of the Eastern Conference teams. And so I'm going to start at the bottom, because those ones are gonna, I'm going to go through pretty quick, because there's not really much to talk about. But I am going to talk about my parameters. So rankings are going to be based off two main factors. How the team has played up to this point of the season in comparison to what my expectations were of them at the beginning of the season. And how the front office has adapted to their situation prior to and during the season as well. So essentially acquisitions they made in the off season and how those players have played during the season or how the team has improved as a result are also factors that I'm going to consider. So let's start off with the bottom of the Eastern Conference here. We've got the Cleveland Cavaliers at 8 and 35 at this point in the season. They are not looking good. I don't think that I had a lot of expectations for them. However, I did think they would maybe compete. Although the injury to Kevin Love, four games into the season, instantly made me think that they weren't even a contender. So I just gave them a C. I said that there are two sides to this. Number one, they're playing worse than I expected. However, since Kevin Love got injured, I kind of went easy on them. And also, I said that they currently have the best odds to take the number one pick. So I think that... This is kind of a good strategy at the same time, but they are still not playing well, and as a result, they are getting a C. The second lowest team is the Knicks at 10-32. and 32. I give them a B. I don't think there were much expectations of them. I don't think they really did anything in the offseason. They're going to get a good pick. That's fine by me. The 13th seeded team, the Chicago Bulls at 10-32. and 32. If you guys watched one of my earlier podcasts, you'd see that I predicted that they would be in the playoffs at the 8th seed. Which, shame on me, but this is a team that I expected to actually make the playoffs. And as a result, I gave them a C-. They had a weird front office situation when they had that coaching change a few weeks ago. And they have that major change in pace now which they're a young team, they should be running, but now they have the slowest pace in the league ever since their new coach came in, which just doesn't seem like a good strategy to me. So now we got the Hawks. The Hawks are the 12th seed at 13-29. and 29. The record is by no means good, but their expectations are even lower. So I give them a B plus. I'm happy that they're developing Trey Young the way that they are, and I like the pieces that they have around him, and they kind of just let him run the offense. And he's averaging a lot of assists, so he's actually facilitating the ball well. And I think that if they keep this up, they could have an all-star caliber players in their hands in a couple seasons. And at the 11th seed, we've got the Orlando Magic at, with a 17-24 and 24 record. I give them a B-. Orlando kind of sucks, to be honest. They never really thought they were going to make the playoffs. They're kind of in that that lower echelon between the high draft picks and the playoff teams 
where you're not really making enough of a difference to rebuild and put yourself as a contender five years from now, but you're not doing too little where you're going to just be completely irrelevant. So I'm giving them a B-. minus. At the 10th seed, we got the Washington Wizards at 18-25. and 25. I don't know about you guys, but I had expectations for them. I said they were going to be the 5th seed. Maybe the 6th seed. I don't remember what I said, but I said they were at least going to be a playoff team and could potentially shock a team in the first round. And right now, they're the 10th seed at 18-25. and 25. Though they're not far out of the playoffs, I think that this season is a colossal failure for them, and I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. Even if they do, they're going to be an 8th seed, and they're going to get wrecked by either the Bucks or the Raptors. So, I really see this as a wasted season. And then they're also probably going to be on the edge of the playoffs, if not in like the 8th or 7th seed. So, they're going to not really get a great draft pick. They're going to be like just outside the lottery. So, this whole season is a failure, in my opinion. A waste of a season. John Wall's now injured. I give them an F. At the ninth spot, we have the Detroit Pistons, who I gave a C+. They should be in the playoffs. I think that I put them in the same area as Washington. You got two potential All-Stars in Andre Drummond and Blake Griffin. And though Reggie Jackson has been kind of a disappointment, you could expect this team to be dominant down low and maybe get at least be 500. Which if you're 500, you're the sixth seed in the East. And right now they're at 17 and 23, so I'm just disappointed in them completely. Now, let's move on to the Charlotte Hornets, who are the 8th seed currently. I give them a B plus. I think that I did not expect much of them. Their front office hasn't done anything significant, as they usually don't. But they're developing their young assets in Malik Monk, as well as... I don't know, they're just... They've been better than I think I expected them. They're 19-22. and 22. You know, they're slightly better than I expected. I didn't think they'd make the playoffs, but... Kemba Walker has been on a tear this season, and they've been pretty good, actually. They're a very good home team at 14-8, and eight, which is one of the better records at home after... In fact, it's actually the best record at home if you're not accounting for the top five teams in the East. And so now, at the seventh seed, we have the Brooklyn Nets. I gave them a B+. I did not expect them to even be a playoff team, to be honest. The Brooklyn Nets, they just always seem like they're always, they always seem bad. Even after losing Karis LeVert early on in the season, Dinwiddie and D'Angelo Russell have definitely stepped up for this team in their absence. In the absence, and I think their last 10, they're 6-4, and four, so they've definitely improved. In the last 10, they've been above 500. They're 21-23 and 23 right now. The 7th seed, I think that they're going to be in the playoff race for sure. At the 6th seed, we got the Miami Heat, a team that I did not expect to even make the playoffs, but a lot of people did. I thought they were, they were just a little too static and boring to really make the playoffs, but really they showed me the consistency that they currently hold, and I'm giving them a B. They hold all this consistency, they're the 6th seed, they didn't really make any risks at the front office. They're always going to be in that second tier, unfortunately. I just don't think that they've done anything significant or anything special. I thought that they should they should trade for Bradley Beal or 
Jimmy Butler at the time because they really need some better assets. They need, they do have a lot of good young assets like, uh, what's his name? Anyway, that's not important. They do have a lot of young assets that they can trade like Bam Adebayo unless they want to keep Hassan Whiteside as their starting center, which he's proved this season. He's definitely had a revival season. Let's take a look at his stats. He's been good. But this team has a lot of good players, but then they also they have like a bunch of like those like $10, $12 million contracts for players like Kelly Olynyk and those kind of players that really they aren't stars. They're like all role players, and they're just consuming too much of their salary in that way. But anyway, let's move on from them. They're not that important. This is the big five that I like to talk about now. So we're going to start with, at the fifth seed, the Boston Celtics, who I think their over-under was 60 wins. And they're at 25-16 and 16 right now. They are definitely not on pace for 60 wins. They're on pace for 50, approximately, because they're at about 41 games. 30, 41 games they've played. So they're they're exactly on pace for 50 wins, which is a failure in my eyes to them because I thought they were a 60-win team. They should be the best team in the East. And I don't even think it was a question at the beginning of the season that I thought they were the best team because the Raptors were a question mark. The Bucks, I didn't think they would be this good. The Celtics are 7-3 in their last 10, though, which is one of the best in the East with the Raptors and the Bucks. The Cavs have lost the 12 straight. Oh my god. The Cavs at this point have lost 12 straight games. That's horrible, man. And I know they have a tough road over the next, like, seven games. Anyway, getting back to Boston, I give them a C. This is because they're expecting to win 60-plus games this year, and as of right now, they're 25-16 and 16 on pace to win 50 games. And they, and they went on a small win streak, and that's why they're seven and three over the last ten games is not impressive in my opinion, because they've won these against subpar teams, and they continue to struggle against playoff teams when they happen to play them. In addition, Danny Ainge has not made any moves to acquire any key players or dump their surplus of assets that they currently have. I like their team. I like what they have right now at this moment. However, long term, you can only sign three. Three max players, and then after that, the rest you need to have role players because eventually you're going to have to pay Tatum, you're going to have to pay Brown, you're going to have to pay all these bench players that you have, you're going to have to pay Terry Rozier or let him walk, you're going to have to pay Kyrie again, you're trying to get Anthony Davis, you have Gordon Hayward, you have Al Horford. Like, come on, this team has so many players that if they don't win this season... They could be fucked. They have so many assets. They gotta right now. I think they should trade Kyrie Irving and another pick for Anthony Davis if they know he's gonna sign long term. Then boom, one of your cornerstones is Anthony Davis. You have Tatum if you can hold on to him, and then you get a third, whatever it may be. However, you could also try and wait till the end of the season because you can't trade Kyrie Irving. You cannot trade. Sorry, you can't trade. Your other assets to get Anthony Davis with Kyrie Irving. Kyrie Irving's going to have to opt out of his contract. You re-sign Kyrie. Then you trade for Anthony Davis. And then Jason Tatum. Those are your three pieces. But they have to do that over the next season. So they have a C. And I think they need to make some changes soon. This season, 
they could still win this year. They could still go to the finals. And they could play Golden State and potentially win. That would be awesome for them. And then after this season, though, I think they need to start trading away their assets because it's going to be a pricey year. It's going to be pricey for them, and they're going to lose a lot of those assets if they don't trade a couple for a superstar. Now, let's look at the fourth-seeded Sixers at 27-16 and 16 right now. They've lost two straight. They're 6-4 and four in their last 10. They're 18-4 and four at home, which is tied for the best with the Raptors and one under the Bucks at 19-14. and 14. The Bucks have played one more game at home. And I give the Sixers a B plus. Though they have not been like particularly great this season, the front office acquired Jimmy Butler in hopes of sparking a deep playoff run, which is awesome for them. They definitely needed a Jimmy Butler. Though the spacing on this team is not really adequate with Ben Simmons running the point. Jimmy Butler, who's not an outstanding three point shooter. Ben Sa- um sorry. Joel Embiid, who's also not a great three point shooter. They need to stagger these players in a better way, and you can't really start any of them. You can't not start one of those three guys because that'll just cause mental turmoil on the team. So you have to figure out how to either play them for four or five minutes in the beginning of a game. This is particularly triggered to the playoffs. And then sub out Ben Simmons and throw on a shooter and let Jimmy Butler and Embiid run pick and roll with each other and stuff like that. That would be nice to see. Let him be dominating the post. Jimmy Butler get his own shots too. It's like kind of like a one-two punch and be Butler. And then on the bench, throw Ben Simmons with four shooters. That would work well. You'd have two kick-ass lineups. When Ben Simmons runs with four shooters, that's sort of the LeBron or Giannis role. And that would be insane to watch. And they would definitely improve in my opinion. However, let's get back to it. Gave them a B+. They made a great move because they picked up a star to complement Simmons and Embiid, talked about the spacing, and I said that they're performing slightly above par. I'd say they're actually performing up to par at 27-16. and 16. I think that's a pretty good record for them. But the acquisition of Jimmy Butler gives them a little bit more. Now let's talk about the team that no one talks about in the East, ever. Ever. There's five teams that are plus five, or above 500 in terms of their record. And four of them get talked about a lot. One of them never gets talked about, and that's the Indiana Pacers. Currently are 28-14, and 14, which is only three games back of the top Raptors and a game and a half back of the Bucks. They are 22-7 and seven against their conference. Oh, that's not really that important. Um, they're 14-5 at home. They won one. They're 8-2 in their last 10, which is actually the best in the East currently. They did lose to the, I think in those last 10 they've lost to the Raptors twice though. So they're 8 0 in their last 10 against non Raptors, which is pretty funny. I give them an A. They're quietly playing amazing basketball. And as of January 6th, this is slightly outdated, but I, I wrote up my notes a little prior to this. They're 13 2 over the last 15 games. Then they played the Raptors and they lost. Despite Oladipo being injured for a considerable amount of time this season, they've been able to um, actually play above their standard without Oladipo as well. They're deep. They're solid. They are consistent. They play good basketball. I think they have top three defense in the NBA, which is awesome. 
Sabonis is a most improved player candidate this year. Oladipo is an all-star. That's all you gotta say. They're deep. They got Bogdanovich. They're a good team. Now, the Milwaukee Bucks, 29-12, and 7-3 and the last 10. Recently, they lost one to the Raptors as well, I believe. They are 8-1 and against their division. 19-4 and at home, 10-8 and away. Currently 29 and 12 at this point right now. January 12th is the day I'm recording this. I give them an A+. I think they exceeded everyone's expectations. They were the number one seed in the East for a few games. Now they're the number two seed behind the dominant Raptors. They're so well-rounded and play well in the Budenhoser system, which they acquired in the offseason after firing whoever the fuck their coach was. Some random guy. And this system is Giannis running the show with shooters. It's exactly the role that LeBron thrives in and the role that Ben Simmons would thrive in. Guys like that, except for LeBron, can shoot. That's the only difference between him and Giannis and Ben Simmons. They're kind of like a stepping stone. Like, you got Ben Simmons at the bottom, can't really shoot. He's taking more shots now, which is good. And then you got Giannis, who can shoot mid-range and like barely can shoot the three. Then LeBron, who shoots average from the three and pretty good from the mid-range. And you have to guard him out there. But then he's also better pa- as good a passer as those guys, if not better, in my opinion. So he just dominates the game so much more. But these guys can dominate the game like LeBron if they get that kind of role. But anyway, that's the role that Giannis has in this team. They got shooting fives with Ilya Sova and Lopez, which are some awesome pieces that they can play in their playoff rotation, which in my opinion gives them an A-plus in the front office. A plus in the record. I did not expect this. I don't think anyone expected them to be twenty nine and twelve at halfway through the season. Basically, that is crazy. They're playing awesome. And lastly, we have the Toronto Raptors, thirty two and twelve, seven and three in their last ten. They have now won four straight. They're healthy again. They went through a phase where they weren't really healthy. I give them an A. I think you can give them an A plus. I. Rethinking it now, I'd probably give them an A+, plus, but I'm just going to stick with what I put. I put an A. They highly exceeded expectations, especially with the acquisition of Kawhi Leonard, which was a risky move with the potential of this roar that we're getting right now. They're the best team in the Eastern Conference. They are 18-4 and four at home, 14-8 and eight away. They're definitely a team that you look at and you think, they can challenge Golden State. They can beat anyone in the Eastern Conference. Kawhi Leonard is as clutch as it comes. The only reason they're only 32-12, and 12, which is still an outstanding record, on pace for almost 60 wins, it looks like, is because they weren't 100% healthy. Lowry's been out. Kawhi doesn't play back-to-backs. But that's just a testament to this team's depth. And so if you look at the Raptors, there's no way to say any really weakness with them besides health. You could say they're one of the best offenses in the league. Definitely a, a, one of the best defenses when they turn it on, which will be in the playoffs, they'll turn that on. Because they have the best defender in the league in Kawhi Leonard. Lowry can defend. Danny Green is a great perimeter defender. Ibaka's an okay defender. He definitely block, He's definitely a good rim protector, so you can play him athletically at the five. And then Siakam is long and athletic too, and he's a good defender as well. So this team, on both ends of the floor, 
is dominant, and as a result, their record shows it. Best record in the NBA. However, they have the same number of losses with the Bucks and the Nuggets in the Western Conference. However, they just played more games than these teams. Three and four more games, respectively. So thank you guys so much for listening to episode six of the 3 and D podcast. This was fun. I enjoyed doing this. Next week, I'm going to do the Western Conference. Because I like to split it up more. I don't think like you want to listen to a 40-minute podcast. I think a 20-minute podcast is good for now. And you know, if you guys want to hear longer podcasts, let me know. You know, you're probably following my account, NBA coverage and analysis. Stay with me. Be active on me on my um, account. You know, I post pretty often, at least a couple times a day. Just be active with it. When I post, like, just comment on it. That'd be cool. Show, show me some love with my podcast. Keep listening to them. I enjoy you guys. Thank you so much. I will catch you guys next episode.